Amen. Well, <clears throat> we're talking, I think finished today about the extraordinary Christian home. And then after this lesson, we're going to talk about the extraordinary healing. Extraordinary healing. So not to teach next week's lesson, but I just want to say this. The uh, uh, many homes, even in the first five years or less uh, or more, depending on where you are, or depending on how your life has, what you've gone through in your life, uh, there are a lot of hurts. Sometimes you enter into the marriage with hurt. And uh, so anyway, I'll talk about that next week and just talk about how the Lord can heal and bring those types of things together in the relationship. I won't take a lot of time to review, I think, last week's, but I will say this. the um, talked about the extraordinary Christian home, and uh, we said that, number one, Salvation is through Jesus Christ. Perfect. Salvation is through Jesus Christ. We talked about parents teaching that doctrine, talked about that salvation is a personal choice. And then we said number two is what? Surrender to the Spirit. Amen. And uh, so surrender to the Spirit. I uh, talked about how, that, how important it is that we surrender one to another, but also surrender to the Holy Spirit. Produces an attitude of gratitude, produces an attitude of submission. And those are good things. Let's talk about today, number three, and that is the security through biblical order. The security through biblical order. Um, how many know what the Bible says as far as that God is not the author of confusion? confusion. How many say, Pastor, I live in the state of confusion? You ever been there before? Live there? And uh, so have your Bibles. Look at the Ephesians, if you will. We'll turn to Ephesians. And... Um, Chapter number five, talking about the the biblical order that God has set up for the home, and there is great security in this. Um, this great security. And so, once you get that, uh, look at verse number number twenty one. Says this: submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. We talked about that, mutual submission. Then verse 22, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, as unto the who? Lord. So truly, we're not submitting, not submitting um, to the husband for the husband. We're doing this as unto the Lord. This is a spirit of submission unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Now verse 23, the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. In chapter 6 and verse number 1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise. And so we'll see here the structure of the husband, the wife, and then also the children. And uh, and so that's pretty crucial to understand the, the order that God has set up that will pro provide great amount of security. When everybody knows their role, and everybody knows what, biblically, what they're supposed to be doing. It provides a great amount of security. So now, once we learn what this role is, then I have to yield to the Spirit to fulfill that, or to uh, to actually yeah, fulfill that role and do what He wants me to do in that role. Because in every situation, there is a spirit of rebellion in every, in every role. In many cases, husbands are like indecisive and they don't want to leave or want to serve. Wives don't want to submit. The children don't want to obey. 
Uh, it's, just, it's just the way it is. And so in every role, there is, in our flesh, uh, there is a spirit of, we don't want to do what the spirit wants us to do, what the word of God wants us to do. And so uh, just take a few minutes, we'll dissect this a little bit and help us understand a little bit about this uh, biblical order that God has set up. And this provides this great, extraordinary uh, Christian home and uh, gives great amount of security to one to another. Now, um, I'm going to start, the Bible lists the, wife's, the wife first, but I'm going to start verse 23 with the husband. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Uh, this word head does not mean uh, dictator, just to make it very clear. Uh, this word head just literally means the one um, who has the the authority of the home, uh, the one who has to make some decisions. That's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a role of leadership. Uh, and the role of leadership is, is a role of uh, words and not orders. And so it's, 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 it's not a role of, I'm going to give orders in my house, and I'm going to be you know, the captain of the ship. It's not necessarily what it's referring to. It's referring to where uh, I'm going to take the lead and I'm going to be the head uh, spiritually and live out this, live out the Christian life the best that I can. And so it's more uh, of a role of leadership of uh, his life and uh, leadership of living his, his life in submission to Christ. And it's amazing how things start to fall into place when I fulfill that role and fill that leadership. God's designation of the husband as a leader means that the final decision does rest with him. And so at the end of the day, I, as, as, as the head of my house, I will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ at that judgment seat, and I will give account for how I led my home. I'll give account for the things that I did in my home, uh, the things that my wife or my kids that I allowed them, not not. If, if, if they disobeyed, that's on them. But if I permitted it, and I said I agreed to it and condone it, then I will give account for those things. And I realize that. All the things that God has entrusted me, I'm a steward. And so, um, every time you point out about godly leadership, not not here, not in this church, but in the world, they, they attack it as being uh, a sexist or being some sort of male uh, chauvinist. Like, oh, here we go again. This old, you know, antiquated order uh, of, of, you know, the stay-at-home mom who wears her apron and cooks brownies. And uh, the go-to-work dad who, you know, works by the sweat of his brow and comes home and he expects the dinner to be on the table at 5 o'clock. And uh, expects her to have everything in order. House is to be clean. And uh, she grovels at his feet. She uh, is on her hands and knees as soon as, she, as he walks in and all that. And so I see how it is. And so you, you are the superior and she is the inferior and it's not at all, at all what it is. There's a big misunderstanding uh, about this, this principle of leadership. Leadership is not a domination. Leadership is about service. I think you put that up there. Leadership is not about being dominant. It's about serving. And so if you will look at that passage there, uh, Matthew 23 verse 11, I know it's there in the, in the screen, but if you have your Bible, look at it. Matthew 23, verse number 11. And uh, <clears throat> we'll see here, Jesus makes a very good point. He'll even say, I did not come to be <clears throat> ministered unto, but to minister. Jesus as the head of the church. And so to all, all, all of us men here today, 
Jesus as the head of the church says, I didn't come here to be ministered unto. He says, that's not what I came here as the, as the head of the church. I didn't come here to do that. I came here to, to minister. I came here to serve. So the head of the church is actually setting the precedent for all of us husbands to say, well, wait a minute. If that's what Jesus said, that he didn't come here to be ministered unto to where, you know, you feed me at five o'clock and you do this for me and you do this for me and you do this for me. Uh, and he said, no, no, I came here. And so here's Jesus' example. And that is, he's going to wash the disciples' feet. And Peter said, no, 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 don't wash my feet. And Jesus said, listen, Peter, if you don't let me wash your feet, then you have, no, you have nothing to do with me. He said, oh, well, that's, that's the case. They're not my feet only, Lord, my whole body. Wash everything, because I, I want to be so much a part of you and, 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 your, and your leadership. So Jesus was making a very, very strong point as the head of the church, being that example for us husbands that it's about service. So look at Matthew chapter 23, and um, verse, number, verse number 10. Neither be called masters. One is your master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be your what? Servant. Whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Now here's what he's teaching, that is this. The head of the church is saying this. Listen, if I'm going to come and exalt myself, I'm going to end up being abased. When the husband has to come in and say, listen, I'm the captain of this ship, I'm the pilot that flies this plane, and I'm the head of this, you know, whatever, whatever, and you've got to listen to me. I'm demanding respect. I'm demanding this and that. In many cases, you'll lose it. He's just what he's saying. He said, if you're going to exalt yourself, you're going to get a base. If you come in with a humble spirit, and you come in just wanting to serve your family, it's amazing that the rest of the family will exalt that. The rest of the, the wife will exalt the husband because he's coming in with a spirit of humility, the spirit of service, just wants to serve. So it's to do whatever it takes to make the family great and do whatever. And so, um, you know, uh, so many times that principle right there is completely misunderstood about the role of the husband. Yes, he is the head, but the head is to be the greatest servant in the home. Uh, and so it's just, it's a, it's a big, you know, uh, so does he help with the dishes? Absolutely. Does he help with the laundry? Absolutely. Um, I have never cooked the laundry, but, but my wife, she's been so good to me. She does not want me to touch the laundry. She's like, no, no, no. I need, I need my clothes to be the same size when they get out, you know. <laughs> she's like, don't touch this thing. It's like a podcast, whatever. Just don't touch it. I'm like, okay, fine. But all the other areas, there's areas that I can serve and I can vacuum and I, I can have the dishes and I can sweep and I can, you know, my hands and knees and I can scrub the kitchen floor and, do whatever my wife needs to do and just, just to make her feel like, you know, whatever. And so when I do have to come around and make a decision, it's almost as if the husband's earning his, not earns his right because he's been given that, but it says as if his role has been fulfilled in serving this home and everyone wants to listen to, to dad and the husband. The other thought in that is this is, fellas, God, is, God has given us a, a great helpmeet, a great spouse, the Bible doesn't say this, but it is true that God has given women a great insight, some great wisdom, some great intuition. I think it is in there. You'll, you'll see Jesus talks a lot to, to Mary Martha. He talks a lot to Mary Magdalene. He talks a lot to different ladies. 
the Apostle Paul, if you read Romans chapter 16, we'll talk about, um, oh, what's her name? Phoebe, that's it. Phoebe, who organized this church. It's a phenomenal thing. And Paul talks about, Aquila and Priscilla talks about different women uh, and how they were just masterminds in the early church. And they organized so much in the early church. And did a great thing. But how wise the Apostle Paul was to listen to the ladies. And Jesus who listened and how wise it would be for the husband to be able to listen and to be able to take that and use that as some discernment and more times than not, she's got a good point. Now, how, how many of you men hate to admit that? <laughs> you know, it's just, well, she's got a good point on that. Now, I disagree with it, but she's got a good point, you know. And uh, so it takes me about a good 48 hours to kind of come back around that, okay, <laughs> that was a good point. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> It takes me a little while. I'm getting a little, little shorter now, about 24 hours now. But it, ladies, just be patient. Give the guy some time to realize that you're right, okay? And listen, ladies, here, here, here's some wisdom for this, and that is this. When he comes back around, and he says, hey, babe, I got an idea. Now, this idea was exactly what you said 48 hours ago. Just say, oh, man, that's a great idea. Now, you could say, man, that's what I told you. I told you that two days ago. But if you go with it, oh, Bill, that was, that's the best idea you've ever had. That is, I'm so glad that you got that idea. Now, I know she told me this 48 hours ago. She knows she told me this 48 hours ago, but she's giving me the credit to do what she said. You know what I'm saying? And so just, just, just think about that. Depends on who you're working with and whatnot. My wife is very, very good to me. And um, I'm starting to give her the credit now. And she's just, uh, she's full of, just full of good ideas and wonderful person to, to live with. Um, now, go back to Ephesians 5, and let's talk about the wife for, for, for a split second. Ephesians 5 and verse number 22, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Now, hold that there. Again, wives, submit yourselves unto your own, own husbands as unto the Lord. Now, go to uh, hold that and go to Colossians. It's Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, okay? Just two books over. And then go to Colossians in chapter number three. So he says in Ephesians to submit yourselves as unto the Lord. And then he says in Colossians three, look at verse number 18. Wives, submit yourselves under your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Uh, as it is appropriate and as it is Pretty much as Ephesians says, as is unto the Lord. And then it says, husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents. Right there are the three, again, the, the list of the three wives, husbands, children. List again the role of the home. If you just get these three verses in Ephesians, you just kind of get those roles down. I'm telling you, great security, great uh, great environment for the home. It's always a battle. Uh, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, the Bible talks about, but against principalities and and, and wickedness in high places. So we know that this is going to be a spiritual onslaught for the home. And Satan wants to bring down the home more than he wants to bring down the church. Because once he gets breaking down the home, he's going to end up breaking down the church. More than he wants to break down the country as a whole or the government, he wants to break down the home. And if he can start nailing down each one, each of these homes, he's going to start breaking down the church, country, etc., etc., etc. And so I see it here. Uh, wives, submit yourselves into your own husbands. Now, Again, this is a big thing. I understand that this is uh, does not mean that he's always right. 
does not mean that he's he's uh, never going to have a bad idea because he we we probably will. I don't have the whiteboard. I what the whiteboard is. But just just visualize this for a second. A big umbrella, okay. And who is the head of the church? Who is the we're submitting ourselves unto who? God, right? And so we have God or Jesus Christ up here. So the husband is Jesus Christ. And then the wife is to be submissive to the who? Husband. And the children are to obey their who? Parents. Parents. Uh, and so, so we have God, Jesus right here. Then we have the husband right here. And then we have the wife. And then we have the kids. Now, this is the as you might say, the chain of command, if you talk about military terms. Uh, this is the rank, okay? This is what God has set up that says, listen, does that mean that one is more superior than the other? The children are not inferior to the parents, by, by the way. We're all created equal. It's just a matter of there has to be rule, there has to be order in the home. Simple as that. And so we are all equal in our home. But there is an order in the chain of command we have to follow because if we don't have that chain of command, then chaos is going to ensue. It's just, it's just the nature of the beast. And so two heads make a monster. Okay, just so you know. Uh, so two heads make a monster, which means this. If she starts to pop her, like, oh, I don't care what he says, bless God. I'm going to just do it my way and bump my husband and forget him. He's so wrong. He's so, so, ah. When that happens, all of a sudden that monster starts to take place. The kids don't know what to do. The kids are like, well, I love dad, I love mom, and is to really be a problem. When you fight in front of the kids, that really creates a problem as well. Because then they're like, they don't have to pick sides, but they love mom and dad, and they should love mom and dad equally. And so it creates a big tension, big problem. If you're going to ever disagree or have an argument, please do that behind closed doors so that your kids will have security that mom and dad are, are on the same page and that when there is an issue, uh, even when there's an issue between the husband to the wife, which he disagrees with her, even though you are the head, don't don't disagree with that in public or in front of your kids. Uh, it creates a lot of uh, 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 confusion because what happens is when the kids see that dad disagrees with mom, they're going to think it's okay to disagree with mom. And when, when mom says you need to do this, well, I know dad said he didn't want that, blah, 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 blah. And they can use dad against him, vice versa. When the mom says to the dad, no, we're not doing this and so that in front of the kids, same thing. The kids go back over to, to the dad tells them what to do, and all of a sudden the kids say, "No, no, 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 no. We know what mom said." And da da da. Listen, kids are geniuses. Kids are they, they know how to work the system. Uh, they know how to make wedges and split the couple. They know how to give it their way. They know how to work it. They know how to manipulate. They are experts. Okay. Even though you think, "Oh, they don't know nothing." Oh, yes, they do. Okay. They know how to work uh, mom and dad very, very well. I was one. You were one, and you have some. We all know what we're talking about. It's very true. So that being said, this this chain of command is vitally important, and that we that we as married couples are one, one flesh, that we stick together, and that we keep this thing rock solid. But we have to understand the biblical order, and so I understand that he is the head, but yet he is the servant. He's also the the spiritual leader. She is a submissive one, which means this. She is going to support him. That's what this means. 
Submissive does not mean that um, I'm going to concur that he is always right. That's not what that means. It doesn't mean that you can never express your opinion. Just be wise when you do it, how you do it. Not closed doors or whatever, talk about it, disagree. Once you're done, you walk out and we're all one flesh. But what it does mean is, you go back to Genesis, that she is to help me. And so back in Genesis, she's going to support him. And so the wife is to support the husband. Now listen, she disagrees. And so you're out in public and something's, you know, you make a decision and somebody might say, what are y'all doing that for? What are you buying that house for? What are you, what are you getting that job for? Well, you know, something that they might disagree with what your husband decided on and you disagree with him too. And somebody else expresses disagreement. Now you, you're in a pickle because you want to say with all your heart, I know <laughs> he is so wrong on this. And oh, I can't believe it. Oh, I can't. I, now what, what that starts to do is it starts to create a wedge in your home and a wedge in a relationship. There can be nothing that can separate this. That's why the submission is very, very important. It was asked of the story was given about the director uh, of the Philharmonic Orchestra. And the guy at the Philharmonic Orchestra, he was being interviewed by a reporter. And the reporter asked him, he said, listen, he said, what is the most important position in your orchestra? I mean, this is a truly world-renowned orchestra. People are in line, you know, to try out, try to make sure they get in this orchestra. A long story. And he answered this reporter and he said, the most important position in my orchestra is second fiddle. Second fiddle. I said, really? Like you would think it'd be like first chair for you know, trumpet or brass or first first chair for the strings or whatever. But second fiddle. He said, here's the reason. Everybody wants to be first. Everybody wants to be the one that leads that melody. But nobody wants to be the one that harmonizes second fiddle. Nobody wants to be the one that supports the first fiddle and makes the first fiddle look good. Because when you have good harmony with the second fiddle, it makes the first fiddle look really good. Nobody wants to submit themselves to that leadership because everybody wants to be first fiddle. It's truly the same way it is in marriage. You could say it this way. The husband is the first fiddle. He's the one that sets the tone. He's the one that leads. He's the one that, you know, serves and all that. And the second fiddle, the wife, she supports him. She makes him look good. She provides harmony to the home. She provides that, that beautiful extra sound that just makes those two a beautiful harmonious blend that they're inseparable and those tones just go right together. And so you think that there's nothing that is, is compromising, nothing that is splitting them up. It's a strong, unified sound. And I think the harder of the roles is the role of the wife. I've never been a woman. I've never been a wife. But I have played second trumpet for six years. I could never get to be first chair. All the way through junior high and high school. I wanted to be first chair so bad. I could never beat Dave. I could never beat him out. He always had it. He just had that pitch. He could. He he just he just had it. 
I always had second chair. I'm not, I'm not preaching. I'm telling you the truth. So I, I did. And I learned. You know, we had the other had the other music. And I learned how to you know compliment. We learned how to support. We learned how to da da da. I'd, I'd come in, and after he'd come in, and so everyone would say, "David, man, that was phenomenal." I'm thinking to myself, "Oh, this was really good over here too." <laughs> you know. But I got, I got thinking about that. I got thinking about the wives. I thought, you know, that, that's why there's a lot of truth in that. She supports him. She she makes his decisions, even though she doesn't agree with them, but she makes them look good. He serves her. He ministers under her. He serves to the kids. And listen, it's hard for a wife to follow a parked car. You ever heard that before? And so what, what does that mean is, I've got to be doing something. I've got to be serving my family. If I am doing and if I am engaged and I am serving, I'm leading my spirit, leading the family spiritually and going to church and all this, most likely they'll follow there's always spurts of rebellion on my end and on her end and on the kids' end. At the end of the day, I've got to understand what the roles are. And when she can come into that sweet, meek, quiet spirit and will support and submit and to that lead and to that servant, that servant's heart that the husband has, and that love the Lord Jesus Christ that he has, I'm going to tell you right now, that's going to create such a security between husband and wife and also in the kids. So it doesn't mean if your husband is spiritually mature that you're going to submit to him because he might not be. Uh, he might be unwise. Support him anyhow. Submit to him anyhow. He might be negligent. Support him anyhow. Now, if he's in direct violation of Scripture, it says as unto the Lord. So there, there is a little, you don't have to get drunk with him. You don't have to do drugs with him. Those things are against Scripture. Those things you don't submit to, support with. But, as long as he is just loving the Lord and following Lord Jesus Christ, and even if he's not, even if he's in his flesh, and making a bad decision, support him. Your home needs it. The marriage needs it. Your kids need it. And just supporting one another. Amen. So that's some of the biblical order that God has given to us. I want to say a little bit more about the kids. You need to obey the parents. And just say this real quickly and let's get moving. There, this will be a whole other series, but um, we are living in a day and age that we are allowing kids to be permissive. And so what it says is, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Which means this. We, we, you don't have to reason with them to get them to understand that they need to obey. You, They have to obey, and then you reason later. And so their first thing is that they need to, their, their spirit needs to be broken. It's like breaking in a horse. The spirit needs to be broken. As soon as we can break that spirit as a young age, I'm talking about infants. I'm talking about still in the still in the car seat ministry, where we're starting to break their will. We'll talk more about that later. But these are crucial, crucial times that these kids understand. Okay, well, you want to do that? Fine, enough. Uh, there has to be a. They have to understand who the authority is, and we. Our job is to train them that they need to obey the authority uh, because it is right, and that provides a great amount of security once they understand that and establish that. And so, I mean, for years, we used to discipline our kids and corporal punishment or spankings. My parents gave me whoopings, uh, but we, we spanked them and all that. But now we don't. Uh, you get to that age, 12, 13, 14, right in there, where where they've been broke and uh, they just yield. But I'm telling you, it took a decade of breaking will, a decade of doing all you can and be consistent and loving them, loving them to pieces, but being consistent and disciplined. And uh, there's a big balance between loving them, but also being 
having discipline with the kids. Uh, big, big balance. We'll talk more about that later. Uh, but this is a big, big area that I think a lot of people um, struggle with. So anyway, Steve. Could I ask you a question? Sure. Um, you were talking about, you know, if you have your wife and you have a disagreement, you know, behind closed doors discussing it. How do you then teach your kids because they're going to be married one day? How do you give them that, that example of, hey, when there is a conflict, this is how you resolve it? Um, how do you teach them that? Um, is there a way to teach them by example or just yes, sir, simply yeah. just word of mouth? How, how would you approach that? I can tell you what, what my parents did as far as how we learned this. Every time that there was a issue that got brought up at the kitchen table, and my mom and dad had the look. All of us kids knew that there was a disagreement. And then later that night when they were in the bedroom, the door was shut. Now, they used sign language so you could hear a word, you know. <laughs> uh, but as soon as they got out of there, we didn't know what was going on. But we, we all knew they were talking about something. When they came out, we didn't know, we didn't know what happened. But we knew, you know. And, and kids are smart. They do know. They know what mom and dad's talking about, whatever. My kids know when my wife and I are in the bedroom talking about something. And uh, now they don't know what. I hope they don't. But uh, but anyhow, so um, and I think it gets to a point too. Like like right now, my kids are teenagers, and we're starting to teach them. And listen, um, you know, mom and dad will talk about this, and then we're gonna let you know. So when there is a when there's a, a big decisive decision to make, we let our kids know. Mom and dad's gonna talk about this, and we don't discuss it in front of them. But we're gonna talk about this, and then we're gonna let you know. And usually I as the head come back to the house or come back to the table or do whatever and say, this is what we're going to do. Or sometimes I'll let my wife say, maybe you just tell them what we're going to do. And sometimes she just tells them what we're going to do. But when they get older, when they're younger, they, they, they do things to the example. When they get older, uh, we, do, we do instruct, we do tell them what we're going to do. And we're transparent with them. And we don't tell them how we disagree and what mom thinks and what dad thinks. Uh, as much as possible, we try to keep that away from them because I don't want them to split, you know, and try to make that a, a wedge in, in, in our relationship. So... I want them to continue to think that we're all on accord. And so, anyway, we're not perfect by any means, though. We're not perfect. So, anyway, it's a good question, Steve. Thanks. All right. Thank you. See you later.